0: right on time, here we go.
1: This is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Drunken PM Radio. I would like to thank projectmanagement.com for being a sponsor of this podcast, and I'd like to thank you for listening. This is a very special interview that you're about to listen to, and it's a little bit different from most of the interviews that I do, and that's why I've got this sort of preface up front. So, this was recorded at the 2018 Scrum Gathering in Minneapolis. It's an interview with Billy McLaughlin, who was the opening keynote speaker for the conference. Billy is a guitar player who plays by tapping, in which, uh, if you're not familiar with guitar playing, in this version of guitar playing, you use both hands on the fretboard, kind of tapping out different notes, almost as if you were playing piano on the neck of the guitar. After achieving uh, a large degree of fame and notoriety in his career as a guitar player, Billy began to suffer from something called focal dystonia, and he'll explain what that is during the interview, but basically what it did was it made it impossible for him to play the way that he had learned. What Billy did to overcome that was he began to learn to play guitar opposite hand. So he switched to the other hands. Everything had to be relearned basically backwards. Um, If you try to imagine relearning how to talk or learning how to write everything backwards with the opposite hand, it's probably about that complex. Um, Only for him, since this was his, his entire career and his livelihood and everything he had spent his life working towards, it was a massively challenging thing. For me, one of the things that I was thinking about when I was researching him for the interview was my own journey moving from waterfall to project management. It's nothing on the scale of what he went through, but the things that I was really curious about are you know, how did he stay motivated and what kept him going, and how did he get to a point where he was able to work through relearning everything he'd already learned? For me, moving from waterfall to agile, I felt like I had to unlearn every single thing I had learned about this craft of project management that I you know, love so much. Um, so what I was hoping to get out of the interview, which I hope you'll, you'll hear when you listen to it, are some of the things that kept him inspired, kept him motivated, kept him going back and trying to do more. So it is going to veer quite a bit into the musical side of things and to how he worked through these challenges. But for me, Billy's story is incredibly inspiring and motivating, and I hope that sharing it with you it will provide you with some of that as well. I hope you'll enjoy the interview, so here you go. Here's Billy McLaughlin. Hey, this is Dave Pryor for Projects at Work. I'm here at the 2018 Scrum Gathering, which has been renamed today to Billy Scrum Day. <laughs> Philip McLaughlin is here. He's a keynote speaker. He just gave an incredibly inspiring opening to this conference, which has been challenging for most of the people. I think there's like half the people actually are able to get here because of the weather. And Something I like that. Some trouble. Yeah. With the snow this morning. Yeah.
0: Well, it's it's it is. Uh Decidedly a late spring this year. here. I mean when we (laughs) just got 20, you know, 22 inches or 24 inches Three days, I think. Yeah, it's it's not usual. Yeah, this is this is really uncommon. It was a record-breaker So I mean when you deal with record-breaking weather, you know, some people's travel plans are gonna get messed up And you have to inspect and adapt Exactly, exactly (laughs) So can you share a little bit about your background
1: for the folks that aren't familiar with you and your music? Uh,
0: Yeah, I'm an acoustic guitarist who decided to take a different approach to what I do on the acoustic guitar. And um, I use really weird tunings, and I I, uh, tend to not have my hands where you typically would expect them to be. I like to have both hands up on the fingerboard. And you hold it almost vertically. Yeah, it's almost vertical now. And that was completely unthought out. That just happened during the relearning process. Okay. Um, so, you know, I played guitar as a kid and played all over the country during the '80s and '90s. Um, and then I had this weird thing happen where I just started missing the notes. And there had been a, a, a an injury that happened to my hand about eight months before these symptoms showed up. And I had rehabbed from the injury. I dislocated two of my fingers on my left hand and that was the hand that was giving me the problems with the missing notes. So you assumed that's what it was? Yeah, I, I just so. thought it was some carryover, like cartilage or something like that. Right. And it turns out that maybe because of the injury and the fact that I was trying to execute really high dexterity motions that are completely memorized, mm-hmm. its muscle memory at that point, that when the injury caused an imbalance, let's say in my right. hand, that my brain c- just couldn't Processing. talk yeah. quick, quickly enough to my hand. And so it got to the point where my pinky finger and my ring finger were curling up under the neck of the guitar. And I have to keep all those fingers up if I'm yeah. gonna use them and I couldn't. There was no amount of mental um, Effort, okay. That would keep my fingers where they should be. And did you amp up your practice, like? Uh, of course, yeah. How, I mean, like, how many crazy. hours a day were you? Well, um, I mean, five, six, seven. Okay. You know, I mean, an insane number. And the problem is, in terms of like IT talk, um, the coding. Mm-hmm. The information that my brain was misinterpreting from my fingers was yeah. further corrupting my, my control centers, in in uh, particularly on, on the right side of my brain, which right. controls the left hand. So it got to a point where I you know, finally got diagnosed with this interesting condition called dystonia. That's the third most common form of... Movement disorder really? Yeah, that's very common. Wow. There's many many different forms Um Writer's cramp is a form of dystonia where okay. people that they, they can't control how how hard and I've pain. never I mean, I've had writers cramp where you go like, oh, I'm tired of writing. You yeah. know, my hand hurts a little bit it, That's not it. Writer's cramp is when the hand Clenches so hard that you lose your penmanship. You can't even wow. Yeah, it's it's Terrifying. It's very common. Um, Happens to pitchers too. is one of the things. Yeah. Because I thought the yips was just a psychological thing, and then I read that that was yeah golf. Yep. yep, Yeah. To golfers and um, to baseball players who you know have perfect precision uh, in their fastball, and then all of a sudden they cannot control it and they can't get it back.
1: So is there a way to reset that? We don't know. We don't know yet. Okay.
0: We don't. I certainly didn't do it because my symptoms are as bad as ever. But I just did a workaround. Okay. This is like a major workaround. You got a damaged hard drive that right. you still want to get some kind of performance out and of. Brute how are you going to write code for for how to get that hard drive as damaged as it is?
1: But okay, so sticking with the code thing, you could have gone the route of like Django Reinhardt and just played with two fingers, or I still do that to slide
0: or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But wasn't- you. Switch to a completely other programming language. It, well, I, I, yeah, flip the guitar upside down, and that means you have to have your guitar kind of remanufactured to be a left-handed guitar. Right. You can't just take the strings and switch them. That doesn't work. It won't play in tune. So, um, yeah, I just well, I just thought you know, I wasn't um, the style that I played. Uh, the the hand that's playing bass notes is really only using one finger at a time, anyhow. And I've okay. got and I've got a healthy finger working with the damaged hard drive in that hand. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, what if? I mean, this hand is healthy. I could. It's going to take a hell of a long but time. This, and this, I didn't yeah. know. Here, here's the kookiest thing, is, David. I had no guarantees how far up the ladder be able to get uh, towards my original skill set level yeah. which was very high and very broad actually before this happened. I've taken a small part of my original skill set and brought it up and I I would argue that I pl- I'm I'm playing some of these pieces better than yeah, I ever I've heard, did. I've heard you say that yeah. in interviews. Yeah.
1: Stuff. So the first when you first from when you first started playing you were like 12 or 13, right? Yep. Until the dystonia occurred. How many, like, how many years did it take you to develop the skill initially, and then how long did it take you to relearn everything backwards?
0: Okay. Um, well, I was 38. So what's 38 minus 13? Sounds 25. like 25.
1: Well, and that's and that's not a, I mean, a young age to start something completely different at.
0: Um. Correct, there's a lot, you know, a lot of people say after you hit 40, you know, it'll take you longer to learn languages, it'll yeah. take you longer to learn new skills because the human brain loses plasticity after the age of 40 and that's complete bunk. Okay. And i proved it, you know, Did so. Have you had the imaging done in your brain to see if it's, I have. is it rewired um, differently now? Well, the Meg studies that, um, that we did on me which are different than MRI studies, the the MEG study shows that, and I'm a really unique candidate for this kind of a movement disorder study because I've learned fingering patterns that that have been damaged in the damaged hand, I've relearned them exactly the same way in the healthy hand. And what they could do then is say, well, what's going on? With that damaged hand, okay, is and, and again, the hand's not damaged, right? What's what's going on with the, mal- the, the malfunctioning yeah. hand, right? As opposed to the healthy hand, and here's what they found out in the study, and they don't know what to do about it. It's interesting though to hear, right. and that is in my dystonic hand, my my unhealthy hand, when they look at the areas of control. For uh-huh. each finger, and th- that's what a MEG can do. It can tell okay. you exactly what part of the brain it's is firing. controlling this finger and that finger and that finger. And what they see when they look at my index middle ring and pinky on the left si- right side of my brain is that the movement centers have actually overlapped each other, and oh, they're wow. not supposed to and they go to look at the left side of my brain okay. where my healthy hand is, yeah. and there's a distinct difference between each of the different fingers. Okay. And so, so what's, what this is called uh, in neuro language, there's a loss of inhibition or separation wow. between, okay. it, with dystonia, they know that, that okay. there's a loss of inhibition. Do you have to, when you think about playing, you'd have to translate that in your head or did you have to for a certain period of time before it just? Became automatic. Yeah. Nothing felt automatic at first. Okay. I mean, and I had what's called mirror, uh, mirror uh, movements where I'm relearning the melody of one of my pieces and using the correct finger yeah. and the finger in the other Fire. hand that used to play it yeah. would move. Wow, and that was freaky for that. That went on for about a year and a half, and it was really difficult to get past that.
1: So you you talk. I mean, I've read interviews and watched the other videos about you finally got the diagnosis and what a relief it was. At least have a name for it. Yes. Can you tell the fortune cookie story? Because that that to me was one of the most. Yeah, it was
0: amazing part. You know, it's 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 something that that. So, I had decided that if I couldn't play what I consider to be one of my hardest pieces, then mm. I I wasn't, I was gonna give up at some point if I couldn't really get there. Even though you didn't know what you were gonna do? Yeah, I didn't even know what I was gonna do, but okay. I mean, I, I was just blowing through hours with me. I, you don't get paid to practice. Yeah. You get paid to write code, but I mean, I'm writing code into my brain. Um, Bad code. And I, well, at, at one point it was now I'm now I'm now I've got a clean source. I've got clean code okay, going so in. You'd at already this point. Switched over. Yeah, so I'd switched over and um, was about eighteen months into a process of of uh five hours a day, seven wow. days a week. And so it's like, you know, I had twenty six hundred hours into this piece of music and I still couldn't play. It's just it.
1: physically exhausting
0: on your hands and Yeah, I mean you take little breaks here and there, but um So the fortune cookie story that you're asking about is that on a particular day, I just had had it and I realized that I was never going to make it back to the top, to the full strength um, abilities to be able to play these pieces. They're just too hard. No one's ever done it before. And I, I got really upset and I threw my guitar in the closet and kicked the door shut and said goodbye to you know, my passion of the last 30-plus years at yeah. this point. And Which is, it's your whole identity, too. Yeah, identity yeah, yeah, yeah. There. And I just, but I had to say, you know what? This is absolutely ridiculous. I've been lying to myself that I'm capable. I've been lying to my friends that I could pull it off. And I'm, I'm done. I just got to get real now. And part of getting real was me saying, you know, shoot. And um, This is after, you know, a pretty emotional breakdown for half an hour. I looked up and I said, you know, I got to get out and get some lunch or something, cheer myself up. And I ended up in a, uh, my favorite little Thai, Chinese Thai restaurant. And okay. and it's very unlike me to ever take a fortune cookie because I never eat them. So I don't take them because I don't want to waste and that has to do with being born Catholic and being guilty of everything. but. Um, <laughs> So I, don't, I just don't take the fortune cookie. But this particular day, Which I did. You also perfectly prepared for the suffering of relearning. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> Penance, baby. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was, you know, he brought the fortune cookie, and I said, well, this is a unique day, and I really don't know what my future is, so let's just see what this says. And I cracked it open, and I've had that little piece of paper taped to the dashboard of my minivan, my sexy minivan, I call it. Minivan. Yeah, the yeah, <laughs> right, right, the town and country baby, and it's old now too. Um, but that little piece of paper said many people fail because they quit too soon, and I was utterly blown away that yeah. I that I got that like message that, that day. Like and the, the weird thing it did to me was it made me ask myself a question, which is, do I want to be that guy? That because there's there's something implied by that. The wording, the yeah. exact wording. That is the exact wording. Many people fail because they quit too soon. So the concept is there's a temporal aspect to it. Right. You, How do you know how close you are to solving the biggest problem in the world? You don't know until you've done it, until you get there. Yeah. Or until so you the, stop, in which case yeah, you're a mile away. Correct, so how did I know that morning that I wasn't a lot closer than I thought, yeah, you know, and that makes me thoughtful about all kinds of big global problems we have that, you know, it almost feels like, well, shoot, you know, we can't do anything about it. So well, the truth is, you might be closer to solving
1: world wow. hunger,
0: or you might be closer to solving some massive yeah. you know, problem, but you're never going to find out if you quit. That's so, great. So then I, I did go home and I tell people, and it's true, the, I pulled the guitar out of the closet and it's never been back. So there had
1: to be lots of times when, I'll give some background. The reason that I'm gonna ask this question is because for me, going from a traditional project manager to somebody who is doing Agile all the time, it, it was awful. And nowhere near what you experienced, but just not knowing what I was doing and feeling like I was lost and confused and just depressed about it, How do you stay motivated when you're going through what is monumentally
0: harder? I mean, it'd be like learning to talk all over again. Yeah, Um, you know, I think you have to be very realistic about your passion, you know? I mean, I think some people should quit their job and go do what they're really passionate about because they're really not passionate about you know, here's the thing: the trials and tribulations yeah. have a way of weeding people out that maybe should be doing something different. Yeah. And I think it's it's fair, um, you know, at least within the music world, man, you can tell pretty quickly who's got the passion for it and who doesn't. I mean, right. even the you know even the people that are maybe physically more talented choose not to do it for a living. They just it's it's too insecure of a job, okay. you know. To, too to, much risk. To, to, way too much risk. Yeah. So for me, I think what kept me going is just the sheer, well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it. I'll say it this way. The 10 or 15 really busiest and most successful years of my career Got me absolutely addicted to sharing music with different audiences in different cities every day. Okay, you know, and brought me some of the greatest friendships I ever ever had. And one of the ways for me to reclaim some of those friendships would be to get back out on the road again. Yeah, and, start and get back onto the cycle where you know you, it's like you have a family in all these yeah. different cities, and everybody wondered where did you go. Yeah. <laughs> You used to be here twice a year. Now I never see you again. So there was that motivation to to reclaim my happy place, which is playing music and being on stage. And and yeah, and just the passion for the music itself, the art form itself is really interesting. I felt like I was at a place where I was contributing something to the history of acoustic fingerstyle guitar. And in fact, the program I mentioned um, to you Uh, at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee called the American Fingerstyle Guitar Program. Um, There's required learning. You have to learn uh, one of, or I think it's two of the Billy McLaughlin repertoire that's available there. Yeah. So for my work to be considered required learning at the premier school, well, it's quite an honor for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you,
1: do you feel like in your relationship with the guitar, that it is something that you have just got locked down or is it something that you're still understanding?
0: I mean, you've been playing for oh, years and years and years. gosh, you never understand the guitar. I mean, it's so primitive. There's, I mean, that's the cool thing about it. Real yeah. simple systems can be manipulated so many different ways, right? Yeah. Um, and the guitar is so simple. But like you switched did you switch the tunings before you started tapping switch the tunings before tapping or was that after? Um I I have been using altered tunings. In fact, the tunings that I've been using now I've been using since I was a uh, healthy okay. t- tapping left right-handed guitar player. Okay. Yeah. And you've got ton, I just want to mention it in case people are curious about it, there's videos where
1: you're explaining how to do a lot of that stuff oh, yeah, so tune differently. Um do you find that when you're going around giving talks like you did today, the inspiration that you're bringing to people, does that kind of hit the same spot that, or get close to hitting the same spot that playing live in front of people did for you, playing a concert in front yeah,
0: of people? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, okay. it's, it's an exchange of you know, really honest, and, and I'll tell you what, the challenge for me to perform is just as high as ever in this setting, yeah. maybe even more so. Well, and there was a moment where you, you, there were a couple notes that were off. Oh, sure. And all the time, so the
1: really neat moment. I mean, I hear it. The person next to me looks at me. I'm looking at you, and you don't even flinch. Where
0: most people be like, ah, oh. you know, they make that face. Yeah. Or they try to pretend it wasn't there. No, and I talked about. I you talked about it right. I, I immediately talked about it, which is that you know, music is such an interesting schoolmaster, right? It'll yeah. teach you that when you when you make a mistake or you mess up. Uh, Whatever. Let go, man. Yeah. Let go and move on. And that's exactly what you have to do. That's a really powerful thing to be It is. It, it, it's, it sounds so stuff. simple. But so many people have such a hard time letting go when they've made some kind of a mistake yeah. in their work life or personal life or whatever. And music teaches you, you just, you just have to move on. Cool. Um, I think one or two more questions. Yeah. When you, um, I have
1: his name on my phone somewhere, the, the piano player, Leon? Leon Fleischer. Yes. So yep. can you talk a little bit about that and how that kind of helped? Oh, well, just kind of really Okay, so set? one of the
0: things that happens when you're diagnosed with a I mean, as common as this is, um, because it's humiliating to have a physical movement disorder handicap, right. um, people with dystonia don't don't wanna talk about it. Okay. They don't want to go like there's never kind of gonna things? be a dystonia picnic. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Because people with dystonia just don't want to tell people. They don't want to. They don't want the public to know okay. necessarily. However, there is a, there is a you know, there's a community of patients right. who aren't afraid to. And it was incredibly powerful for me once I got my diagnosis and I could meet these other people that are having similar problems, maybe in other areas of their body. Yeah. But, you know, they're frustrated because they i mean until they got their diagnosis they it was unexplainable why they were having these these problems yeah and so for me to connect with other people was really powerful and really kind of reassuring that i'm not alone okay. out there and and luckily through the dystonia medical research foundation they had um they had a relationship with leon fleischer who if people don't know leon was he was the wonder kid on the piano in the 19, late 40s and 50s. I mean, okay. he, he was the probably the most sought, sought after, one of the most sought after solo pianists to join the orchestra for all the really complicated stuff.
1: Okay.
0: And he developed this problem in his melody hand. Okay. And um, had to give up his career. Um, turned to conducting and music directing mm-hmm. um, and then through the use of Botox and Rolfing and a few other things and quite possibly just this, the simple passage of time mm-hmm. he started to regain some of that playing again okay. and he and he he did start performing I, I think he he might have a limited schedule this summer
1: okay.
0: Um, but he was really looked at as a hero for taking on that challenge of trying to get it back. Um, and again, we don't know exactly whether it was a simple passage of time yeah. and the brain's ability to rewire itself. Just to itself. Know that somebody else was struggling. I mean, you, it yeah, seems so to me like he took him. a much harder path, but. Right, he, he, he's a absolutely wonderful, generous, um, you know, kind-hearted man to take a phone call from this guitar player in Minnesota, he lives in the Baltimore area. And he spent a good half hour on the phone with me saying, you know, look, I feel really bad that you have it, but, uh, you know, I can, he he encouraged me to realize that even in his situation where he got back a limited amount of function, he said it it never feels the same. And it takes so much more effort now to play with this condition. So he was being realistic about it, which I think is being loving about it. It's being honest you it's know? going to be hard
1: too though to be doing the thing that you used to be able to do. I mean, like you said, there's some pieces you can't play
0: that's oh, there's a be lot like of pieces I can't play really hard to yeah, especially when people shout out for them at the concert and yeah. and I say, you know, I'm really sorry that's one of the ones I have not been able to reclaim, you know, yeah, so you know the idea of um, letting go of the things that you can't control, letting go of the things that are broken right. or the things that worked yesterday that aren't working anymore today, is the big paradigm shift. Yeah, okay. You know, stop worrying about what you can't do and start building what you can do. There, you, there's another Billyism. Okay. So,
1: does that is that part of what led to that? I listened to the Serenity prayer thing as well. Is that part of what led you? To be open Oh, to no, that. you
0: know that was just a commissioned thing. Somebody ah, hired me okay. a friend of mine, Lori hired me um to work on it. it's something she was very passionate about, and she's not a uh, songwriter and okay. she loves my music, so she thought I might do a good job of putting those words to music, which is something i haven't had an opportunity to do a whole lot of yeah. um, I certainly not on a commission basis where somebody brings you a set of lyrics, yeah, and they're not even lyrics, yeah. <laughs> It's not even a right. poem. I just I there's, thought that was interesting no... given given
1: the subject or that actual prayer, given the situation of here's this thing I can't control.
0: Oh yeah, I see what you I mean. mean. Well, I mean, um I have this thing that happens sometimes. Like I when when she asked me to set the Serenity Prayer to music, I was like, no, because there's yeah. no rhythm to the words, yeah. right? Yeah. There's no rhythm to this thing. And you know, when you read good lyrics, there's some yeah. there can be some real good rhythm to it, the way and and of course the rhyming yeah. component, of course. Um and so I politely declined. I said I'm no. Yeah. And I have this thing, Dave, that happens to me sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I just I got it. I have it. It just comes, yeah. Well, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just making coffee and doing the dishes. Right. And letting the sound of the water over my hands, and I just started, I just, boom, it just came. It just all hit me Larry immediately, immediately yeah. in one chunk. And that's not the way you always write your music. Sometimes you have to craft a piece. You know, yeah. you get chunk A, and you're going, oh, I want this to have a really cool chunk B. Yeah. And so then you try to come up with See, a cool that's how we B have a section with the post its Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. exactly right. So there's a lot of crafting that can go on sometimes, but other times you're lucky enough to get the like the the blinding the the, the flash of light and okay. you know things. So. Cool. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about you, what's the best way to do that? Um, just Google Billy McLaughlin. It, okay. It's spelled M C L. A-U-G-H-L-I-N, okay. and it'll come off right away. My websites will be there. And, and they can find the music on iTunes and Spotify oh yeah, and everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And what about if they want to learn more about focal dystonia? They would want to go to the Dystonia Medical Research Foundation website, which is uh, – they could just – actually, what they I'll, could I'll do is – I'll find the link and put it in yeah, the show notes. Yeah, that them. would okay. be great. And okay. uh, Or if they – I think if they Google D – MRF. Okay, um, it'll come up. Cool. Right. I really appreciate great taking the time. Yeah. This. this was. Uh, thank you for putting up both all, all my guitar questions here. Oh no, I enjoyed so. it. Cool. Hope it comes together. Great. It will.
1: Thank you. All right. You bet. <laughs>